Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives. We hope you enjoy the show. Although I was morbidly obese, I had a wonderful role model uh, in my father when it came to food quality. So the emphasis on organic food growing up in the Bay Area is fairly high by comparison to other places in the country. So although I was mainlining organic lemonade and brownies, at least in some form or fashion, my core value around organic biodynamic food was present. I remember going to sandwich shops as a kid. I was like, it's not organic. And here I am, you know, not the, the exemplar of organic lifestyle, but still aware of that. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, if you're a regular listener, I hope you like the new intro and outro. We just got that done finally to represent the health detective aspect. We used to be called FDN Thrive Podcast, or I'm sorry, the FDN Thrive Podcast. And we realized what we really are is the health detective podcast. We are detectives after all, health detectives. <laughs> and so it makes more sense to call it the health detective podcast. Huge shout out to Steph Gallagher on Fiverr. She got that done for us, did a fantastic job. We absolutely love it. And you'll hear a different outro as well as we're finishing up here today. Now, I have a interesting guest. This is quite possibly the youngest person we've had on the podcast, certainly the youngest male. And he actually is someone I've heard about through the grapevine, but it's not just because we have a similar network that we brought him on. Zavi D, our guest today, is someone we would have brought on regardless because this guy has um, a heck of a list of credentials with the things that he's learned about in his very short time here on Earth. He is only 24. Um, he actually did three years of college too. That's what I find most interesting because yes, I'm 25 myself. Certainly I know a fair amount, more than most 25-year-olds, about functional medicine medicine and health. However, I skipped the college route and really dove into this stuff from pretty early on. So I found it quite impressive that he has the background that he does, is a year plus younger, and still went to three years of college where, you know, he learned about finance and stuff. So uh, just for some of the uh, formal credentials here, I want to list them off because I think it's pretty darn cool. So Zavi is a Cresser Adapt Practitioner, and that's Chris Cresser for those that are familiar with the name. He also has multiple certifications from Paul Check's Institute. And if you guys don't know, uh, the Check Institute is not easy by any means. It's a very, uh, Paul Check's a very good friend of Reed Davis, the founder of FDN. And we definitely find that a lot of practitioners from Check come to FDN and vice versa to learn different things. So this is another pretty rigorous program. And I've never actually seen someone yet with as many different things from the Czech Institute as Zavi. So he is a level two in their integrative uh, movement science program. He's also level two in their holistic lifestyle coaching program. And this one was particularly interesting because I hadn't heard of this period. He is a Czech golf biomechanic specialist. So I thought that was a uh, I thought that was cool. Didn't know Paul Check was into the biomechanics of golf, but hey, why the heck not, right? If you can learn it, let's do it. Um, he's also a NASM CPT, which for those that don't know, is the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And finally, he has over 500 hours of training in yoga. So this guy's done quite a bit 
in his short time, relatively short time, let's be honest, in the space, learned that most, uh, more than most people would learn in 10 to 15 years. And I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. So it was an absolute privilege to have him on here. Now, in terms of his background, Zavi is someone that you wouldn't really know dealt with the things that he dealt with. And I always think that those are the most interesting stories because we were doing a video together as well. And as I'm watching this guy, I didn't really, I've never gotten to really like truly meet him yet. So I don't know what the background is or anything. And I'm looking at a person that looks super healthy, vibrant energy and stuff. And I'm finding out that he was severely overweight at one point, just uh, 260 something pounds as a teenager, I believe he said in the podcast. So it was no joke. I mean, he was overweight, ended up voluntarily kind of sending himself to what was called a fat camp. And wow, that's just one of those things when you say it, uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue. You know, it's not something that sounds particularly great. I don't think anyone wants to go to something like that, uh, let alone a teenager. And yet, you know, Zavi was in a position where he voluntarily, like I said, wanted to go there. So I think that kind of already represents the pain this guy was going through uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically probably. And we definitely touch on that in the podcast. So in terms of his background for today, because he's actually moved uh, not even just, he does a lot of stuff on the health side, but he also does some stuff on the business side. He is the owner of Stoked Communication, an entrepreneurial platform that coaches uh, stoked entrepreneurs in the art of masterful communication to create clarity in personal and professional relationships. We do talk about this at the end of the podcast, but a little quick background on that. So I didn't know what the stoked thing meant at all. I was like, what, what does this have to do with anything? Apparently that is a Bay, Bay Area, California type of vibe, which is where Zavi is from. So I must not have much of a stoker in me. I don't really know. Um, but that's what that is, just so it's clear. <laughs> Zavi brings his experience as a functional medicine practitioner, health coach, and corrective exercise specialist to his work with clients. He prides himself on coaching fully embodied communicate uh, communicators that value their professional endeavors in equal stride to their internal physical and emotional well-being. I think this guy is such a big inspiration for the space and it leaves me being so hopeful to see someone else, not only a young adult but someone younger than myself in the space kicking butt and acquiring all this knowledge and showing no signs of giving up. So, I can't wait to share this interview with you guys. Without further ado, let's get to it. All right, hey there Zavi, welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you, my friend? Doing very well. Ev. Thank you so much for having me, man. Pleasure to connect in the virtual flesh and uh, stoked to just get going and, and rock out here. Yeah, this conversation in general has been long overdue. So Zavi has um, you know, a heck of a background in this, as you guys heard in the bio before we got started. And um, I mean, he's a young guy as well. You know, it, it's so weird. There's a few people in even our FDN community that I've seen as you know young people getting into this. And it's like when they do, they're getting into it really deep, which is really cool to see. Now, Zabi and I have a mutual friend network. So you know, he's heard things about what I'm doing. I've heard things about what he's doing just from being in such similar spaces. But these are my favorite types of interviews where I don't know anything about his health story. I don't know how he got into this work. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We always start off with the same question on this podcast, Zabi. And that is just as simple as when did your health symptoms start and what the heck did they look like? Yeah, great question, brother. Um... When did they begin? What did they look like? So um, I would say there are many layers to this, as are there to any health journey. I'll highlight a few milestones here that represent my journey with health. Uh, when I was three years old, I was hospitalized with gastroenteritis in Belgium. Uh, I was in the hospital for about a week, put on very heavy duty antibiotics. Therefore, 
predisposed me to issues with the gut microbiome over time. Uh, my parents divorced when I was about six or seven, following my father's lead as he and I moved out to California. My mother stayed behind in New Mexico. Coping mechanism for pain is food. So very high sugar intake, um, using food as a deflection from emotional pain. That led me down the journey of morbid obesity. Uh, that's really where my, my health journey began. So I was morbidly obese as a kid. Um, when I was, uh, let's see, 14, I had just gone to fat camp and I lost 35 pounds at fat camp, caloric restriction, uh, severe, 1200 calories, 10 grams of fat, um, a, a very, very restrictive approach, two to three hours of exercise a day, nothing sustainable. So over the course of four years in high school, I gained 135 pounds and by 17, I was 260 pounds. So uh, I not only ballooned, but I, I exploded as it were. Um, so that would be milestone two, morbid obesity. Milestone three is recalcitrant gut issues, SIBO, dysbiosis, um, and mold exposure. So uh, working through the thyroid implications of mold exposure, of course, the gut microbiome association there, uh, and what manifests as chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which is associated with biotoxin illness, et cetera. So I'd say those three stand out as the, the major milestones on my journey, gut related specifically, but also mental emotional related with food. Wow. Okay. So I definitely did not know about the obesity part at all. And how cool is that? Like, because I get on video with you and this is the first time we've, I mean, I've seen you on Instagram for sure, but I would sure. never have guessed that. Not even a, a question. So I love people that, I mean, any result is amazing, but it is, I mean, it's undeniable that when someone has a physical transformation, whether it's skin stuff or weight stuff or whatever, uh, that's stuff you can't fake, man. That That's real. That's, that's pretty damn cool. So as you're going through this, because this is something interesting for me, uh, always when I'm talking to people who've dealt with this, I certainly uh, had plenty of things that I would say aesthetically were embarrassing to me. Um, I dealt with severe cystic acne. But the one problem, of all the things I've dealt with in my life, the one thing that I've been spared of is gaining weight. And certainly, actually, I've had the exact opposite problem. I am six feet tall. I've never weighed over 180 pounds in my life. I mean, it would be effort to try to get over that. So for the audience out there, because I mean, clearly, statistically, I'm in the minority. I feel like this is something a lot of people go through. And maybe, you know, with our audience's age, I would say a lot of people have kids that might mm. actually be experiencing something like that. Sure. So what is something that maybe parents should know? Like what's going through your head as a kid when not only you're dealing with this, but then you get sent to like a fat camp or something. <laughs> right. Well, an interesting tidbit on my journey at fat camp, I chose to go to fat camp. I'd had enough of my own symptoms to say, okay, enough is enough. This is the only course of action I know. Um, but as a parent, there are two or three principles that come to mind. The first is you model behavior to your child and how to navigate emotional pain and challenge. Um, oftentimes as a child, the easiest route for comfort is food. And I notice this across the board. I happen to be a very sensitive, energetic, and physiological individual. I put on weight easily. I gain, um, muscle mass fairly easily, uh, and as a kid, I noticed that many of my friends ate the same foods, uh, the same caloric intake, uh, never gained weight. That was tremendously frustrating to me, right? So uh, one thing to consider is that as kids, because drugs and alcohol are um, not permissible in most circumstances, 
if you as a father uh, turn to alcohol to self-soothe, that is modeled as an acceptable way to cope with the challenges of life. Your child is much more likely to turn to food uh, as a source of not nourishment, but emotional healing, or we could say emotional deflection. Uh, number two, your core values around food are directly imprinted upon your kid. Um, although I was morbidly obese, I had a wonderful role model uh, in my father when it came to food quality. So the emphasis on organic food growing up in the Bay Area is fairly high by comparison to other places in the country. So although I was mainlining organic lemonade and brownies, at least in some form or fashion, my core value around organic biodynamic food was present. I remember going to sandwich shops as a kid. I was like, it's not organic. And here I am, you know, not the, the exemplar of organic lifestyle, but still aware of that. So uh, your core values around food will get imprinted on your kid, especially if you're always looking for the cheapest option, always looking to maximize um, your budget. Therefore, your child is all that more likely to turn to processed foods, to turn to the cheap option, to save a penny here and there without awareness of the, the health implications of that and the cost of poor health long-term. So those would be the first two that come to mind. There are many more, but I'll leave it at that, not to be long-winded. Sure. Mainlining organic lemonade and brownies. You know what? There are very few things that I believe are unique in today's world. There's been so many individuals that have existed and lived, but it is possible that no one has ever used those words in that order yet, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, always cool to get something fresh, that's for sure. Now, you're, I mean, you're going through this and what does, because I'm curious, uh, particularly about this kind of in a biased way, um, because may I ask, I mean, how old are you? I'm guessing 20s? 24, yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. So even younger than me. So what does post high school look like? Did you go take a traditional college route? Yeah. So I did go to college for a few years in Boston, Massachusetts. I went to an undergraduate business university. Um, and at that time, I remember this was a really kind of, I, I should include this as a milestone in that it was impactful to my health journey, but not directly related to my symptoms and challenges. Uh, my grandfather was morbidly obese morbidly obese and truly represented all that ill health and disease represents to me. So I grew up with that example. And prior to my departure to college, this is about three weeks before I left, my dad had a series of strokes um, of uh, cavernomas uh, near the cerebellum in his brain that caused him to be hospitalized in a life-threatening situation. So Matt, I saw my grand Please. I never cut people off. I just, may I ask, because I don't know what that is. So some other people might not. What is a, is it a cavernoma that you say? Cavernoma. And basically uh, from my understanding in a juvenile sense, it's a, uh, it is a stroke itself, but it's a collapsing of the neurons in a specific area of the brain. Um, if you think about a cavernous formation, it would be quite literally an opening or kind of a, a dearth of tissue. Um, so there was a, a quite involved process by which he sought for that to be remediated through surgery. And, you know, we could get into health insurance and all that, but I'll, I'll leave it there for now. So uh, with that said, yes, my father had a series of strokes. I was going off to college. So I said, cool. Uh, my understanding of what health is uh, at this very juncture in living and growing up in the Bay area is that one should become vegan because that is the, the answer to all questions. Now, uh, and practical application, being a vegan in college, what does that look like? It looks like ill health all around. So um, due to uh, 
you know, just due, due to many factors, partying too hard, not taking care of myself, that led me down a path of maybe we could call weight maintenance, but it certainly didn't make me a healthier person. So I lost weight, but I wasn't any healthier. And that's a, an important tidbit to include for the audience. Um, you can lose weight, but that doesn't make you healthier. Um, so that transpired. I left college uh, working through mental health issues, working through my own apotheosis of shit. I, I don't want to be a, a financier and I don't want to be an accountant. So what's next? Uh, came back to the Bay Area, really started to dive a bit more into health. I uh, got deeply into spirituality, uh, meditation, personal growth. And that led me down this path of discovering my yoga practice, leading me into the Czech Institute, uh, reversing that vegan approach and finding more of a paleolithic um, carnivorous approach to my diet and lifestyle, primal movement. And of course, that transpires into where we are today. So uh, thanks for the question, Ed. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And it's um, it's just interesting. I love that you brought up the aspect of personal growth because the journey of one actually addressing and resolving or having a chance to resolve these chronic health issues you know, because we get people on here that are like you, they're severe, man. They, they deal with severe stuff. And it, it doesn't happen without a certain growth of the individual. Either that is going to force you into the growth or the growth. I mean, obviously they're happening simultaneously in all of its growth, but it's almost like the personal development triggers that, the traditional personal development that is, or the health health journey triggers the personal development. It, it rarely I've never seen it actually. I don't even want to say rarely. I've never seen someone that did not engage in both the traditional type of personal development as we think of like feeding the mind and also getting healthy. Guys, there's there's a reason that the majority of the world, especially the country, uh, USA, where most of our listeners are at this time, there's a reason most of us have chronic disease or we're severely overweight, you know, and it's a lot more than just poor health habits. There's, there's something that happens um, that leads to those poor health habits. And very often, you know, you find that the healthiest people, not always, not exclusively, but pretty decent in their relationships, pretty decent with their finances. It's like all of these things seem to kind of flow together. And I think there's a bigger uh, problem here than just the, the diet stuff or whatever. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, I couldn't agree more. The process of personal growth that I went through was the assimilation and integration of unresolved emotions that drove me to eat and to adopt a poor lifestyle. So in retrospect, the most powerful decision I made was not to begin a yoga practice, go vegan, or start consuming organic foods. It was uh, this philosophy that I continue to implement in my emotional work with clients, my communication coaching, which is uh, loving what arises. So you're sad, depressed, frustrated, angry, Love the one who is sad, depressed, angry, right? Rather than cool, here's a list of things I need to accomplish. Here's how I'm going to get after it. Because as you may know, the, uh, for example, amount of New Year's resolutions that are followed through and capitalized upon is very low. And those who seek to lose weight have an astoundingly poor uh, adherence percentage to their goals and to their diet plans, movement regimens, etc. So like you said, without a prerequisite of self-love, self-worth, oftentimes we'll default to these patterns of shame and guilt because those are more nourishing to a part of ourselves than is a healthy lifestyle. And that's something important to, to consider for the, the audience for sure. Well, I love that line that it's more nourishing to us than a healthy lifestyle. That's very interesting. And I like that you mentioned it because I kind of want to explore that more. And I'm very, 
you know, we can get very technical on this podcast sometimes. And I know you're a highly educated guy. And no, I'm sure at parts towards the end, we will get technical and that's fine. But there is a time and place to explore this. And there's been one other person in 70 something episodes that really had this as a core part of their health journey and certainly not even in the same way as you. And considering statistically, again, so many people, the majority are dealing with these weight things. I think it's really worth exploring, even if I don't understand it perfectly. So it's useful. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're talking about, well, I'm sorry, when you're talking about this idea of the emotional eating or, you know, even what you said with nourishment, I don't even know where to begin with that. So however, maybe you're comfortable, I'd love to dive uh, deeper into it because I'm sure there's not an awareness maybe as a kid, but maybe there's an awareness as you get older. Like, what does it really mean to like cope with this with food? Is this just as simple as, you know, oh, okay, this is causing dopamine to be released in my brain. I feel like it goes deeper than that, but I don't know where I want to take it. So I'd love to hear it from you, like what this actually means and looks like. Yeah, I'm just I'm just writing down three things that came to mind around that. Um, the first is family of origin. The core values you inherit from your family, like I said earlier, determine how you cope with stress. My family historically uses food as a coping mechanism. My grandfather, morbidly obese. My aunt, um, obese, overweight. Myself, morbidly obese. My father, overweight. My family of origin taught me via osmosis and just by kind of a, a cellular imprint. When there is stress, when there's mental, emotional dysfunction, this is the way that we cope with it. For some, it's overworking. For others, it's working out in excess. Everything is an addiction. And just because it's a healthy habit doesn't mean it's a deflection from some underlying pain. And that's something to import, uh, to, to import in your own uh, experience of life. Because if the unresolved emotions that drive you to action, whether good or bad, that's your own perception and judgment. If they are unaddressed and unexplored, they will continue to run your life subconsciously. So family of origin is the first place where we learn those coping mechanisms. Number two is self and that's self-worth. Your perception of self is intoxicating. What I said around shame and guilt is important to consider because if you perceive yourself to be a worthless piece of shit, that can be more validating, comforting, and nourishing than the challenge, the opportunity, and the invitation to step into health, which is um, aggravating, frustrating, uh, rewarding, yes, but requires a tremendous amount of resilience. So from a very simple perspective, it's more comfortable to sit on the couch because it affirms how we feel about ourselves, right? Uh, this is something really interesting. What my mentor um, is a functional medicine practitioner, a Czech faculty member, talks about this with a client. Uh, he saw a client, they consulted, put her on a weight loss program, started doing mental emotional work. She started losing so much weight that her husband began to uh, identify her as unfamiliar. I don't know who you are anymore. And my perception of you and who I hold you to be and need you to be has been so deeply challenged by all these lifestyle habits you're adopting. I am going to shame and guilt you back into these poor lifestyle habits so I feel more comfortable about myself. And ironically for that woman, she said at a deeper level, 
the only person I know myself to be is a failure. So I'm going to self-sabotage this process and start eating the processed food again, not going to the gym, et cetera, et cetera. So um, those two things come up. And then uh, number three is uh, quite literally just this tenant of uh, habits. So if you're in a position where the habits you develop are driven by those who inspire you and or those who hold you back, whomever demonstrates to you the habits that are most fruitful, uh, also most familiar, you will continue to replicate. And that goes back to our first point. It's kind of a cycle here. Uh, I saw both of my parents go through waves of dedication to health, health issues, dedication to health, health issues. So habitually, I am trained and programmed to stick with something and give it up, stick with something and give it up because that's the only role model of, of habit that I have in my life. And now I have mentors who are, are far more consistent, resilient with their ways, and I have something to model. So bringing that home with those three tenets for sure. Sure. All right. Great answers. I don't want to oversimplify the mindset thing by any means, but the longer I go, the more I realize that the first words I read on, you know, the first few chapter in the first few chapters of these personal development books that I got into, they're just so true. I mean, our entire life is pretty much dictated by what's going on up here. And yes, we can indeed reprogram it. I'm sorry, for those on audio, I was pointing to my brain, just to be clear, <laughs> um, to my mind. And it's it, if you work on that first, you can kind of fix all the other stuff. That doesn't mean it's uh, simple. Um, well, maybe it is simple, but it's certainly not easy. That's for sure. Now, my next question for you is, as you're getting into this stuff, you kind of find out about it. I actually, I suppose I want to rewind a little bit because I normally ask this and I, I don't think I, I did properly. Um, it's not every day, even if you live in the Bay Area, whatever, that someone's just going to jump from college as I think you said you were pursuing accounting and finance type stuff. Okay. Uh, first of all, not only am I going to do yoga, I'm doing yoga as a male. And I'm just, again, I'm being uh, stereotypical here. Young males, obviously are not the dominating person in a yoga class. I know this from experience. <laughs> so right. what triggered you to get into this more, we'll call it uh, basically a holistic lifestyle. Now, was that stemming from, you know, this family relation to the organic food or like, what was it that leads you to that? Because mm. or did you just randomly find it? I'm just curious how people get into this. Cause I feel like that's if I can figure that out, hopefully we can get more people into this type of stuff. <laughs> Great question, man. Uh, what comes up for me around that is I was fairly athletic as a kid. And when I had lost that weight, I felt so good. I ran a 630 mile at the end of fat camp. I was stoked on that. Um, I lost 35 pounds. I was competing competitively in baseball. I was athletically dispositioned as a kid. I'll put it that way. However, when you lose that, the craving for that state of being only increases what comes up for me is I did so much spiritual work in between the time I was 14 and when I was uh, 19, which is really when this took off that I found this tremendous sense of stagnancy in my ability to enact all these high minded philosophies into reality. So you may watch a video of Muji, who's a Buddhist teacher and he's spitting some incredible wisdom, but he's most definitely out of shape. And he's not taking care of himself. So what I realized uh, as a prerequisite to ever finding the Czech Institute uh, and maybe via a law of attraction, I, I found that resonance because it, it stood out to me was if I don't have a physical outlet 
that is healthy and well, none of the spiritual work I'm doing matters at all. It doesn't matter how high-minded or how uh, well-spoken I am if the actual physical manifestation of that is incongruent. So I know that's a belief I've challenged over the time and also reconsidered. But that being said, it, it really stood out as the motivating factor for me to get off my ass, pursue yoga, uh, yoga training and practice, and then, of course, get into kettlebells, functional movement, and all the good check stuff. So that's kind of a, an indirect but direct answer. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's fine. I love that you brought up this idea of uh, the congruity between the physical and the spiritual because I have found that quite often. I grew up, and I, uh, I don't think I've ever shared it on this particular podcast. I grew up an atheist. Uh, my grandmother, I always reference this. I'm a broken record in in person, at least, because I find it so remarkable that at five and a half years old, I have zero external influences in my life promoting this. And I walk into my grandmother's house and argued God with her, the existence of God saying there cannot be a God. And I don't mean this, this sounds almost like demonic, like or people are like, what is this, this evil little kid running around? It's like, no, it was more like a nerdy kid saying like, grandmother, there cannot be a God, like silly old lady, like you're being illogical right now, like that type of thing. It was so just dominated towards the, the logic centers of the brain. And it wasn't really thinking about the greater purpose of all of this or, or any having any connection to that. And the reason I bring it up is because as I got healthier, even though I had no intentions of going down that path, I found that I started opening up what I can only call spiritually. But ironically, I have a ton of people. Um, I won't, I'll be very indirect with who I'm mentioning here. There's someone that I know that is highly spiritual, has been a type two diabetic for an extremely long period of time, multiple decades. And I, I can't help but wonder, my getting health, if my getting healthy led to this spiritual development for me, what would it do for someone like that who still has the spiritual awareness given their poor state of health? Is this like a mystic, <laughs> like you know, a natural born mystic just waiting to be um, shown to the world? I, I really do uh, wonder about that. So I love that you brought it up. I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, and I know that you said that you've challenged that belief even, but for whatever it's worth, anecdotally, I, I totally back up what you're saying. And it's a beautiful thing, man. When you try to, I mean, I don't think mine are perfectly uh, congruent at this time. I'm not saying that you're suggesting that, but just to even try to get them on a similar playing field, you can feel those moments when you're in alignment. And it's a, it's amazing. Um, I go from this atheist to kid to wow, I just am present and I love this life and I feel like I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm healthy enough to go do it. So um, thank you for bringing that up. Is there, I, before we got and go on, I mean, I don't, I just kind of went on a monologue there. Is there anything that you feel pulled to add to that? Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. If we continue to live a life from the head and not the heart and the gut, those being my spiritual understandings of the three centers of being and also the levels of initiation, um, we will continue to manifest dysfunctional health habits. Uh, and if you want to look at it from a spiritual perspective, yes, there's an energetic link between our organs and glands and their function. For sure. I think that can also be a slippery slope in some cases, but I can most definitely say from a practical point of view, if you don't feel good about yourself, the habits that you enact will not be reflective of health. And, uh, Oftentimes, spirituality is a deflection for greater pain and shame that we've yet to process. Uh, a lot of new age teachings are very much that, right? My vibration, my vibe, et cetera. All an attempt to deflect from, you know what? I still feel like shit about myself. And now I just sound really fancy when I say, uh, basically convey that I still feel about shit. Um, so yeah, that that's my final contribution on that point. Uh, sure. On that well, train. well said and great points. I think um, I love... 
you're a very um, blunt person, and it's done in such a way that I have 100% faith the the caring and um, genuineness that goes behind those statements. It's just like, listen, why beat around the bush? Because I'm telling you the truth and I mean well and I want the absolute best for you. It's kind of cool. I've had, I'm a blunt person myself and I've had to really work in, on balancing that. And it seems like there's no part of me that thinks with those statements that you don't have the absolute best intentions for those listening. And I love that. Um, okay, moving forward a little bit, maybe getting into perhaps a little more technical stuff here, because from my understanding and what I've heard within our mutual network um, is that you are familiar with a lot of lab test type of stuff or um, analyzing lab work. When does that come in? And um, like, how do you utilize lab work in your daily life or even possibly your practice, if at all? I'm not even I'm not sure if that's just a skill that you have and don't use or what. Yeah, sure. So it's a, a skill I use a lot. And along my check journey, uh, I finished HLC2, which is Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 2, a fairly deep dive into holistic lifestyle co- uh, coaching, organ and glandular imbalance, uh, and using assessments to identify present health issues at a physiological level with clients. So physiological, for those who are listening, just basically the function of health throughout the body and anything to do with the body system. So I went through that. I had my mentor, Jator Pierre, who uh, is very close with Chris Kresser and had also gone through the Kresser Adapt Functional Medicine training. And I was working with a naturopath in Australia on my gut issues at the time. So taking that information and saying, cool, HLC2, I have all this new information, can't wait to enact it. It took me about six months to really apply that to no avail. And I'm thinking, hmm, there's much more here to explore. So... uh, In that process of working with a naturopath who works at, uh, I would say, the Southern Hemisphere's most famous uh, uh, gut healing center. It's called the Biome Clinic in Mullumbimby, New South Wales. Uh, It's led by Nerala Jacoby, who's like the Allison Seebecker of Australia for SIBO. So a a lot of really cool and uh, frontline information there. I started to submit my own tests, uh, GI effects, organic acids tests, et cetera, et cetera, uh, blood work, and started to see the manifestations of these things I had been working through and went down this rabbit hole of, well, we think it's gut related. Ah, interesting. It could be oxalate or FODMAP related. Okay, we're going down this rabbit hole. Now it could be hmm, environmental toxicity. And then identified mold as a uh, factor and the gut issues I was experiencing and also the thyroid-related symptoms. So I directly learned through my own experience of healing and also through my work with the Czech Institute that a lot of holistic education is out of date and that this new field of functional medicine, which is a holistic approach to conventional medicine with blood work, hormone testing, gut testing, et cetera, is a beautiful avenue to complement the lifestyle and habit change that has made such a big difference in my life. So last year, I finished my functional medicine certification with the Cresser Institute. So I'm an ADAPT practitioner. So I have my background in interpreting uh, gut lab stool tests, hormone panels, blood work, all the nine yards there and implement that frequently with my clients for sure. Sweet. Definitely, uh, like I said before we got on, amongst friends for sure in the FDN and FDN Thrive world. But what I love, because the founder of FDN, Reed, as serious as he is about his philosophy and system, the coolest part about him possibly is that that guy is always learning. 
He's always taking in other things. He's always welcoming other perspectives of the community. And that's why we love having other functional practitioners on, especially someone who philosophy-wise is right on par. I think we can say that confidently that, yes, you the, let's use this Western technology, if we can even call it that, of the functional labs. That's just wise. But at the end of the day, you know, our ancestors didn't need organic acids testing or hormone testing or whatever, right? And why didn't they need that? Well, there's, you know, the answer to that um, is a part of this bigger picture. So we can kind of work them both together in this beautiful synergistic relationship and the right practitioners can really get some fantastic results for that. And that's what we strive to do. Clearly, it's what you're striving to do as well. So I'm sure you are recognizing the importance of bio-individuality, but maybe from just a general perspective, I come to you, let's say, as a client, how is the work that we're going to uh, do together going to look? Are you running the same labs on everyone? Do you kind of do it case by case? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And I think there are two components that inspire me to start with diet and lifestyle as the primary intervention. Number one, paying out of pocket for labs is expensive. And so I want to be of service to my clients as much as possible, with some exceptions, to give them all that I can from a diet and lifestyle, mental, emotional perspective to serve them in their health journey. And I find that 85 to 90% of the time, that's all that is needed. Now, with that said, uh, I have a group called the Thyroid Warriors, where I coach uh, women with autoimmune hypothyroidism through the mental, emotional and functional medicine lens to give them the opportunity to remediate their condition through their own application. So with that, I encourage hormone testing, blood work, gut testing to look at a 360 degree view of one's health. I have one client right now who I've been working with for a few months. We've done blood work, lab testing, gut testing, et cetera. And it's really interesting that uh, chronic infection, Epstein-Barr, and Lyme disease is now the primary causal factor in her healing, which for me is fascinating and interesting because uh, chronic infection is a deeply complex and profoundly challenging uh, opportunity, I'll call it, uh, to remediate your health because the variety of factors involved with it, immune modulation, uh, pretty much, I would say every, every organ and glandular function dependent upon our immune system health, as well as the influence of an environmental toxin is going to be impacted by something like Epstein-Barr or Lyme. So that's an opportunity for me to dive down the rabbit hole with lab testing and, and offer my best and most educated perspective on ways to address that. So that's the answer. Yeah. Great. So is that your um, main niche? Because we always like to shout out people's businesses on here. Like, is that the typical person that you're working with or these women with thyroid issues? Uh, yes, I would say thyroid issues and any GI pathology, uh, IBD, IBS, SIBO, dysbiosis, fungal overgrowth. Those two represent my specialty and also a path that I've walked down myself uh, with my own challenges of thyroid dysfunction as well as um, gut dysfunction over the years. Okay, so especially with the thyroid stuff, I mean, not only is that common in many of our practices or FDN Thrive, that's just common in the functional world because uh, mm -hmm. autoimmunity in general, and of course, Hashimoto's or something is a very common um, autoimmune disease, one of the most common, I think behind celiacs or something. Do, do you know that offhand? I could be wrong. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Might even be more common. I'm not sure. It's not, the, it's not really the main point. The point is this is seen so often 
And unfortunately, um, and as many of you guys know, but I always say it just, gosh, there's a new listener that's like, what is he saying? None of us are against Western medicine, my friends. Oh my goodness. Like we have doctors on the team. Like it's not <laughs> like, and, and Western medicine doctors, MDs, not naturopaths, right? Because they'll be like, oh, well, not a real doctor. It's like, okay, whatever. So yes, real doctors for sure on the team. No one's against Western medicine. It's the system though, you know, was designed for these acute things for preventing high rates of child um, mortality and stuff, but it's not the right system for the chronic disease epidemic in general, in general. And so we're seeing this all the time. I'm curious what if this is, you know, roughly we can call it a niche, what are some common themes that you're seeing? Because I find it really interesting that you're saying, you know, approximately, I believe the number was 85 to 90% can just be kind of handled through the diet and lifestyle stuff, which is obviously ideal. That's what we'd love to be able to do if we can. So are there some core patterns that are coming up with these people? Like, are they um, eating certain things that are ticking it off? Is their lifestyle a certain way? Are they all type A personalities? Like, what are some maybe common themes that you're seeing in these individuals? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned type A personalities. I think that's really interesting. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the term. Maybe the listeners are as well. Uh, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal dysfunction, right? Which is the old paradigm of adrenal fatigue. Um, HPAD is related to our perception and overall allostatic load. So uh, the amount of stress that's put upon our physiological systems and function. That is the number one factor I see present in those who come to me for gut healing, uh, thyroid healing, uh, perhaps a dyslipidemia protocol, what have you, is this function of being overstimulated, not managing one's mental emotional health well, and basically burning the candle at both ends. For example, one of my clients is a former IFBB pro. So when one is going through that high stress lifestyle, cutting, um, putting in two days, mental, emotional stress is high because you have to meet a certain standard of physical appearance. And that, uh, we call it the allostatic load, that stress that you're putting through the system by reducing caloric intake by working out in excess is very high. And of course that creates a, a lens through which we perceive all factors of lifestyle to be just that more stressful or just that more aggravating, frustrating. And the load on your system then translates into perception, which is one of the triggers of HBAD uh, amidst some others. So inflammation, glycemic dysregulation uh, to be a few others. So considering that, I would say that 85 to 95% number, I'd even up it to that is mental, emotional, and stress related. Makes sense to me. And I, def I love that, uh, you brought up the, the IFBB thing. For those that don't know, I don't even actually know the full acronym, but I know it's in the bodybuilding world, right? Typically. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, that's pretty high level. I'm not saying your client. I'm saying in general, wouldn't it be fair to assume that possibly some substances are being used to enhance the physique as well? Sure, definitely. Uh, okay. So now you have this additional uh, factor in there. And it's really a shame to me what social media has done and society has done because these people at times can look so damn good. And it's like, one, they, they are hard workers. I, I'm never discrediting that. These people work their butts off. One, though, you have the aspect of drugs. You know, you might be able to work your butt off just as hard and never have a physique like them. But number two, we equate that as if it's somehow synonymous to health to be jacked up physically. And some of the healthiest human beings, some of the centenarians in the world, no, guys, they're not running around necessarily with like ripped uh, abs and these you know really vascular muscles. 
sometimes it's the people with like this very like little bit of a stomach, you know, they're usually like a little like leaner and stuff. And those are the hundred year olds that are running around. You know, you don't see, well, actually, how about this? Someone send me in, you know where to find us, a picture of a hundred year old that is like some jacked bodybuilder type of individual. It's probably not going to happen. Um, admirable for their work ethic, sure, but not necessarily the best on the body. And it's just, it's interesting that you brought that up because I can't, um, I can't even count how many FDN practitioners I've met throughout the years that came from a bodybuilding background or like a very serious, I don't even know if you could call it personal training background, but they never competed. Yeah. It's like that beats up the body and you think you're doing like the best thing ever. Um, right. And it's just, it's not always the case. So first of all, uh, for those that aren't going to watch this on video, totally cool. But just so you guys know, and I mean, seriously, man, you look good. You got like vibrant energy. You could see when someone's healthy, the weight's solid, of course. So where would you put your health at now? I mean, I know that we're always on the journey, but let's say, you know, when you're heading to fat camp, that's like the worst, that's the 0%. I mean, where are you at now on your health journey? If you could quantify it somehow? Yeah. If I were to give you a one, one being uh, very far from the end goal and 10 being right on the dot, um, I would give myself a six and a half or a seven. I feel like there's work to do, uh, areas to improve. Uh, I still struggle with the effects of uh, CIRS with mold exposure. Uh, and that seems to be recalcitrant. So I'm still working with that naturopath in Australia uh, and nailing that down. But from a diet and lifestyle supplementation point of view, uh, all the factors that need to be there, sleep, hydration, nutrition, movement, et cetera, uh, are rock solid. So it's a function of cool. Uh, what can I do now to up-level my own practice to dive deeper into these areas where I'm just getting familiar with chronic infection, right? As an example there, to up-level my knowledge, to go through that process myself so I can serve even more people. And I think that's kind of the, the gift or the silver lining of something that's recalcitrant and challenging is as you turn around and work through that yourself, you have the opportunity to do it with others as opposed to just taking another level of functional medicine training. Cool. Hey guys, I can work with Lyme now, but I've never had it. Right. It's very different story. So I, I would give myself six and a half, seven and say that there's work to do, but a long uh, journey behind me. I don't know where that uh, theme comes from. Maybe it's just we're attracting and I'm not sure. But the people that we get on this podcast, I, I have such a respect for the transparency because if you sat here and tell me a nine and a half, I don't, I have no way of questioning that. I would have been like, okay, makes total sense to me. So thank you for showing people that you could still have these amazing results and still have some stuff to do. And just, I think mm -hmm. that is what gets people attracted to certain practitioners the most, because now I have a human being sitting in front of me instead of a robot that is doing everything perfect somehow. You know, it's a real human being that can help you and also relate to you because they're actively going on their own journey as well. I, I think that's totally cool. And speaking of your practice, I definitely want to spend the next 10 minutes here. I have a few set questions, but I certainly want to talk about what you do. We obviously understand the niche now. Um, I know that you said that you have a group. Are you taking one-on-one -on -one clients as well, I'm assuming? Yeah, 100%. So there are three layers to what I do at Stoked Communication. Number one is emotions and relationships. That's looking at the emotional implications of our health journey, identifying the areas in which we can begin to integrate unresolved emotions in the past, set future goals, and show up uh, in a more communicative fashion in our relationships. Uh, number two is health coaching and functional medicine. So deep dives into the physiological systems that are out of balance enacting protocols, whether they be autoimmune, whether they be dietary, whether they be for weight loss, to help those clients reclaim their vitality and embody the fundamental tenets of well-being. 
So that would be the second layer. And then the third layer, which is something I'm getting into and really enjoying is the business coaching side of things. How do we take an integrated emotional individual, marry that with a deep dive into health and wellness so that they're operating at their maximum capacity and then translate that into the way they communicate in their business with their potential clients and their target audience. So putting that all together in a three-step fashion. Excellent. So on the health side, to the degree that you're able, because I know privacy always matters, but plenty of people share things publicly. So sometimes you can be, um, uh, you're able to disclose quite a bit. I'm curious, is there any like really standout client testimonials that might come to mind? Because especially with the audience that we have here, I think it's important, yes, to hear the stories of the practitioners such as you and I, but like this is our life. This is what we love to do. There are other people who do indeed want to be an accountant or be in finance, but still have these same issues. And yeah, you know, I have even more respect for those people sometime than us because it's one thing when you're making this your work. It's another thing when you got a family, you got the real job, well, <laughs> real job in the sense of a job that's not health. And sure. um, and you still got to figure these out. That, that's a heck of a journey. And it can be done, folks. So is there any like client uh, testimonials that really stand out that they came to you and were able to get fantastic results that maybe they weren't able to get anywhere else? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say one of the clients that I'm working with with autoimmune hypothyroidism uh, stands out from all factors. Mental, emotional growth has been immense in the work that we've been doing. Uh, and that correlates directly to the thyroid, communicating our truth and speaking that. From a functional lab testing point of view, we've seen her TPO, which is thyroid peroxidase antibody, TPOAB, go down by about 200 points since we started working together, which is a, a, a big leap. Uh, so things are going really well there. And this is with somebody who has been working within a conventional medicine paradigm for a few years to no avail, uh, taking synthetic thyroid hormone, transitioning to a natural desiccated form, uh, also going through uh, ups and downs of dyslipidemia, having challenges with uh, blood sugar regulation. Uh, and I'm sure at some point, if we go down that route, a bit of environmental toxicity as well. But that client stands out because that individual has made such a commitment to health and has made such an investment in following through with everything that she can do to improve her health. And of course, we're about to run our uh, second lab here, our second gut test through doctor's data uh, to look at the antimicrobial protocol we just implemented to see if we've reduced some of those um, autoimmune pathogenic triggers that we found on the first test. So hopefully that renders a positive result and we can uh, also track that as a marker of progress. But TPO alone has come down significantly. Uh, and that's been really, really fun to see. Yeah, this is the stuff that matters, man. I mean, I love that you brought that up because people are told often enough, probably by individuals who genuinely believe it, that these numbers can't always shift. And maybe it's even impossible for them to shift. And my friends, it is possible. <laughs> you know, thyroid's not really supposed to be attacking itself, at, at least at these levels. Yes. I mean, technically, if you go down, really get to it and want to get super, super nitty gritty. Yes. We're always recycling um, the different parts of our body. So you could say it's attacking it more or less, but no, you're not supposed to have elevated antibodies that high. And that's phenomenal that you've been able to get that down that low. And this is what I love to see same philosophy, maybe slightly different labs, maybe slightly different approach and still out here getting it done, doing the work. People just need to get working with individuals like us at FDN Thrive or with people like you simply because, I mean, you at least prevent the major stuff. 
I genuinely believe that, you know, I'm not making a medical claim by saying prevention, but I mean, my God, it's like, even if you got this person 80, 85% better, you're going to probably prevent them from getting their thyroid removed. Like happened to my mom, you know, like mm. we, we look at this stuff now and my mom's kicking butt and she actually has, it was supposed to be a total thyroidectomy and there are things already regrowing after she's really gotten into health the last three years. So, oh my goodness, that'll be interesting to see if we can get that thing going. Cause it, ha it happens. It can happen. Um, but you know, people are getting these unnecessary surgeries because they're not giving any other options. And again, it's probably given by people who are in a system that they don't even know that there's other options. So guys, we got to team up Western and functional combined and do the best that we can for these um, patients. It's wonderful that your client right now has this synthetic thyroid hormone. I mean, I know that she's using the natural desiccated stuff, like you said now, but at a time, I mean, synthetic thyroid hormone can be fantastic. The first person sure. we ever had on this podcast, Ryan Monahan. He is a, you'd love this. His TSH at, at their lab, it maxed it out. It was a 150. It didn't go any higher wow. on their reference range there. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, and he got on, and he was suffering for over a decade. And he got on Synthroid overnight. Not, I mean, not that he didn't get better throughout the weeks, but overnight he went from, he had four alarms set. This is not an exaggeration. It was actually true because he couldn't wake up. And all of a sudden he's waking up at sunrise the next day. He said, that's great. Western medicine did not do bad there. Like it's not, oh, bad. You you help this person. No, because now that person's going to be motivated to do the other things. But leaving someone just on that and not telling them, well, hey, maybe your antibodies shouldn't be this excessively high. That's that that's not a complete service. I, I don't think it's complete service. So um, great job, man. I love that you're doing that. Uh, last couple of things really quick. One is where can people find you if they'd like to work with you? Sure. 100%. So Instagram at Stoked Communication. I have the business coaching, the functional health and wellness and the relationship coaching offering, which is normally put together into one custom package. You can find me over on Twitter as well, Stoked Communication. And my website, Stoked Communication is in the link in my bio. You can check out all the offerings that I have over there. And as you flip through some of my most recent posts, you can find a link to the Thyroid Warriors information that will give you an introduction to the group. So if you or anybody you know is struggling with autoimmune hypothyroidism or pure frank subclinical hypothyroidism or general hypothyroidism, it's a great group to learn, to educate yourself and to implement these lifestyle habits to improve your experience of hypothyroidism and thyroid-related dysfunction. And of course, anytime that you feel so called, go ahead and shoot me a DM to introduce yourself to connect with me. I would love to hop on a call with you, get to know you and where you've begun and where you hope to go with your health journey. And then we'll create a plan from there. Okay. I know I said two questions. This is 1.5. I got to ask, because I've seen this on some of your posts. What is the, what's the Stoke communication thing? What does that mean for those that don't maybe connect it? Yeah, sure. So growing up in California, the energy of Stoke is, is kind of this cultural ethos of bringing passion and bringing enjoyment to life and, you know, hanging out at the beach, living a lifestyle of low stress. So Stoke communication is speaking your truth with passion and grace and learning to do that as a fully embodied individual, not the dude who puts millionaire by 25 in his Instagram bio and looks like hot shit in front of a Lamborghini. Somebody who's truly emotionally integrated, who has gone through all layers of well-being to find greater resilience and who can then with corrected lab markers, with a healthy gut microbiome, with good thyroid function and good, uh, we could just say, uh, stress management can take their relationships interpersonally and professionally and allow them the space to flourish because they are embodying those principles of health and communication themselves with passion and grace. Sweet. Our final question here, Zavi, is the signature question on the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. 
And it's always a good one. I love hearing uh, people's answers, especially when we get into some more complicated stuff, because uh, typically it's not what the audience expects. And the signature question is this. If Zavi could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's get them to literally do one thing or perhaps stop doing one thing, what is the one thing that you would get them to do? Hmm. I would say that I would demand that every individual on this planet spend at least five minutes a day in silence and meditation, loving the parts of themselves they wish they could change. Uh, because that is the true catalyst to the change process that allows any health and wellness related goal to flourish and actually manifest in a functional way. Now, how cool is that guy, man? Especially for 24, I just feel like I'm talking, especially since I was looking at him as well. I feel like I'm talking to like a mystic or a yogi or something. He's just so centered and precise with his wording and calm. It was very cool to talk to this guy. And I feel like I could have plenty to learn from him for sure. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. If you like this information that we're sharing. And would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts by simply searching for The Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive on Apple Podcasts. We would love you even more than we already do. A few kind words goes a long way as well. We will not be here with an interview on Monday, September 6th uh, due to the fact that it is Labor Day in the United States. And at this time, the majority of our listener base is in the United States. So apologies. I will put something small out for sure. It just will not be a normal interview. So look forward to seeing you guys next Thursday. And until then, take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. 